Have you ever wanted to meet your favorite professional athlete? Packers stars of yesterday and today, including Devontae Adams, Amon Green, Jair Alexander, Antonio Freeman, Aaron Jones, and Jamal Williams are all available for bookings right now. Mayfield Sports specializes in these special moments between fans and their favorite professional athletes. Head over to MayfieldSportsMarketing.com to see the full list of available athletes to book your favorite professional athlete at your next event. Welcome back to the Game On Fantasy Podcast. This is the Week 7 Review. Uh, my name is Tyler Krezegorek. As always, I am joined by Gage Bridgeford. Uh, I am, I'm so excited here to be here. Wow, we both had long weeks, and it's already showing for me. It's going to be a great show today, Gage. I can't wait to talk about these Week 7 games. There was a lot to talk about because there's a lot of funkiness going on this week. Uh, it's just another chapter in the 2020 season. 2020 continues to 2020. This this week in particular, I'm looking back at some of these scores and just oh, there's madness. Buffalo only putting up 18 on the Jets is crazy. Philly only beating the Giants by one was surprising. Carolina hanging with New Orleans was weird. Just a lot of weirdness was uh, was occurring on this uh, particular NFL week. In reference to my pickums, I had six games that were decided by less than one point. And I, I'm, I'm going to finish the week. I'm like two and like nine in my pick or something like that. It's really bad. And it's, it's, not be, good. it's because all those games finished within like one or two points of the freaking spread, which is the most obnoxious thing in the world. I don't know how Vegas does it, but that's it's amazing. Um, but uh, let's let's just start with that, because this Falcons Lions game was one of them. Uh, the Falcons were <laughs> talk about a roller coaster of emotions here. Once again, for the Atlanta Falcons, they drive all the way down the field under a minute or around a minute to go. Gurley tries to not fall in the end zone, and he ends up falling in the end zone. Great for fantasy players, bad for betters. So the Lions end up getting the ball back, drive back down the field, and TJ Hawkinson scores the game-winning touchdown here. Uh, So what are some of your fantasy takeaways from this game? Uh, The Falcons' defense, uh, I think, was better than we expected. You know, they were able to pretty much corral this this high-flying Lions offense. Kenny Galladay is an absolute man. Matthew Stafford is still pretty good. Didn't throw for more than one touchdown this week, but he's still pretty good. Uh, running back, it seems to be a, the DeAndre Swift show. And yes he, and no. Swift yes only no. had nine carries to Peterson's 11, but Swift had four catches. Peterson only had one, so at the end of the day, it was 13-12 touch split, which – for Swift owners, you're like, why? Why is this continuing to happen? Considering he looks like he looks like the better player. He only averaged three yards per carry. I get that, but that's still .4 better than Peterson did. And on his and he got into the end zone as well. That was a big thing. Got the rushing, got a rushing touchdown to a plus four, 12, 14. That's a fourteen point day out of out of a guy that's probably in your flex spot or your RB two. You'll take that all day long at full PPR. Kenny G uh, would have loved for him to get in the end zone, but he made plays regardless. Did you see some of the catches he had Gosh. this week? Just every single one of them was crazy. 
Remember when he first started becoming a thing? They referred to him as Baby Megatron or Baby Tron. Baby, yeah, Baby and Tron. And I was like, that is just ridiculous. Like, there's no way that you should be comparing him to Calvin Johnson. And now watching this game, this was the epitome of that discussion and that argument. He yeah. was just, he was just out muscling defenders and just making plays that nobody had the business of making. And when I think of players and wide receivers in the NFL today. The only other player that was making some of the play that could make some of the plays that Galladay was making in this game was in this game on the other side of the ball. It was it was it was a lot of fun to watch, uh, and it, it really caught me by surprise because I've never really been a Galladay truth there. I've always seen the value in the player, but I've never really been like, okay, this guy is super good. This game made me it turned my tide individually. Uh, I believe that Galladay is one of the top wide receivers in this game, one hundred percent, no question about it. So this this game was a lot of fun to watch, and Galladay uh, was also a lot of fun to watch. Could you imagine if he got the volume that Calvin Johnson did? Jeez, well, he's like imagine healthy if too. he played. Imagine if he played in an offense like you know I'm going to use Green Bay. Like imagine he was Devontae Adams, and just it's Kenny Galladay, and then not a lot else, and he just got peppered with 15 targets a game. Could you just imagine the level of production that he would put up? It'd be nuts. We would be talking. We would be talking about him as not a wide receiver one, as possibly the wide receiver one, if he was playing and just getting that level of volume. But he's get he's got other guys in the offense with him. Marvin Jones finally showed some life. Danny Amendola had three for sixty two as he continues to average like fifty or like eighteen yards per catch this year. T.J. Hawkinson five for fifty nine with the game winning touchdown on six targets. For Detroit, you kind of saw what you expected to see matt stafford had 340 but he only had one touchdown but that's a decent day on the other side matt ryan 338 yards matt ryan's gonna matt ryan only had the touchdown because todd Gurley got two of them you gotta feel bad for todd Gurley though because his fall into the end zone the same thing happened the same thing happened literally the night before in the iu penn state game because iu let the penn state third string running back Go into the end zone. IU obviously got the ball back, went down, tied the game, and then they ended up winning in overtime. And everyone was blaming the third the third string running back. And it's like, you can't blame him there. If you just kneel the ball down, you win the game. But Penn State ran. They scored. Game ended up being the other way. And you feel bad for Todd Gurley. Fantasy owners don't. He had a, he had a good day. Uh, six, he's, I believe, RB7 on the week right now so you're continuing to start Todd Gurley he's got he got 23 carries compared to just two for Brian Hill you love that got the red zone work wasn't efficient but I don't care he's got he's getting the work Julio Calvin Ridley Hayden Hurst and Russell Gage were all decent plays all day Russell Gage in your flex Calvin Ridley got the touchdown which kind of helped buoy his day up and then Julio Jones eight for 97 he does Julio things Hayden Hurst six for 68 and on seven targets there's not a lot of this is one of the few offenses where there's not a lot of smoke and mirrors. You know who's going to produce on a weekly basis 90% of the time, regardless of matchup. So for Atlanta, you know who you're going to play. It sucks to see them continue to struggle, continue to be unable to maintain a lead. Like, they held a lead all the way till the fourth quarter. So, And I'm pretty sure in that game they had a 98% chance to win. So you feel bad for them. Maybe they'll be able to figure something out, but... Just it's a rough it's a rough look for them uh, this year. Yeah, it's really rough to be a Falcons fan. I do apologize. Uh, it's just I don't know like how many close games like that you have to lose. And uh, back to Todd Gurley really quickly. The at the end of that game, he was exhausted. He was beaten to the ground, and 
he, I don't know how much longer they can continue to run him like that. It, we could see a girly rest game coming soon because if the Falcons are going to continue to do that, there's, I mean, in a season where it looks like it's just going to continue to go downward, I don't see a reason to do that to a guy like I, that. I, I feel like their bye week is coming up. I feel like their bye week is coming up. So if you can just get into the bye week and let him rest then, I think that they'll be okay. His, the bye week is week 10. So he's got to make it two more games. If he can make it two more games, they can give him a, give him a little bit of a rest week. Maybe he gets a light uh, load in week nine. Or actually, this this week would be the perfect opportunity to do so. They're playing Thursday night football. It's a short week. He had a big workload on Sunday. I think that this is the week where you might fade him. We'll talk about that more on our pre or Actually, we won't. Let's talk about it right now. Let's. So we got Panthers-Falcons. Todd Gurley is – you're probably still playing him this week. But Absolutely. What is, what is your expectation for him this week? Because he's if he's going to get rested, it's probably going to be on a Thursday night game. Yeah, I think that next week against the Panthers is when you get some Brian Hill work. Uh, just based on the way that he was reacting after every single play, he was laying on the ground for 5 to 10 seconds. Like that – it was it was really really sad to see because he was just getting beaten to a pulp and uh, they they ran him into the ground literally um, and you could see how distraught he was and exhausted he was after he scored that touchdown at the end it just I don't I I can't foresee an opportunity for him to continue to do that so I think we get some Brian Hill carries in this in this Panthers game um, and then when is their bye week did you figure that out uh, it's week ten week ten so yep. the week after so. I don't think that they will. What is the what is the reason for running him into the ground right now? What is it? I mean, because it's, uh, I don't know. This is gonna sound bad. Get your money's worth. But for what reason? You're not winning games. Yeah, but you're trying to. You're in games. The so there's a difference between the Falcons and the Jets. That Jets are who I'm going to use as, as an example. The Jets can't win games, but they're not in games. They were in this week. Weirdly enough, but that was chalky. That was kind not of really. freaky. <laughs> not really. They, they they led for a while, but anyway, not important. For the Falcons, they're in games. They've had three games this year where they had a 98 plus percent win percentage in the fourth quarter. They had one that again, the one against Chicago was a 99.6 percent chance to win the game. They're in games. They're not going to win nine straight. They're not. They're not going to do it. But they're they're close. They're there, and with this roster, unless they're just going to tear it down and sell everybody, which they can't really do because the extensions that they have have so much dead cap on it, you just you can't really you you can't move on from those guys. So you got to get your money's worth while you can. Now, of course, as soon as I say this, they're going to come out next week. Todd Gurley's not going to play. Matt Ryan's going to get benched at halftime, et cetera. You know, but. <laughs> That's just what I think. Like you're getting, you paid for him, and you're in games. You have to continue to use him because he's he's making plays happen. I guess. I guess at three yards a carry. But let's move on here. Let's yeah. go to Browns Bengals. Another another betters nightmare here. Browns finally get the touchdown at the end. I was worried about this game covering the whole time. The spread that I was working off of was three and a half, favored by the Browns, and, <laughs> and they missed the extra point to cover this game. I was irate. I had just watched the Falcons give up their cover of four points against the Lions. And so this was just one after another. We'll talk about the next game too, which also was (laughs) just the final nail in the coffin for me as a better this past weekend. But 
Browns don't cover. Uh, they win by three. They score a late touchdown. Donovan Peoples-Jones. People told me he was a bad receiver. He should have been drafted in this class. I don't know. He, he should have been hired. He was a high. He should have been hired. He should have been a higher yes. pick. That's what I was going. That's where I was really getting to. Uh, he. He, I, I'm excited to watch him play, especially with now OBJ uh, suffering a torn ACL. There's going to be a void there. Rashard Higgins seems like the favorite to step up. He has been a, a favorite target for Baker. He had six targets in this last game. Uh, OBJ left pretty early, so I think we can call it a full game without OBJ. Uh, six, six targets, six catches, 110 yards for Rashard Higgins. Jarvis Landry had five catches for 48 on six. Donovan Peoples-Jones had three targets, three Catches for 56 yards and a score. Two of those three came on the final drive. Uh, Harrison did you Bryant, see the catch by Rashard Higgins on that final drive, though? I did. That was nuts. They Both both the Higgins play and then... Like, Peoples-Jones' touchdown, that was great. But yes. Higgins' catch, man, I was like, what did he just do? I'm yelling. I'm in my living room yelling at my mom who was looking down at her phone. Did you see that? Did you? And she's like, no. And I tell, I'm like, look up, watch the replay. And I was like, how that was, I was like, the, the Browns are winning this game. Because if something like that happens, that's destiny for you to win the game. Uh, Baker Mayfield, he recovers from an abysmal first quarter. 0 for 5 in the first quarter, 0 passing yards, 1 interception. And then he comes out and goes 22 of 23 for the remainder of the game. 297 yards and 5 touchdowns. Hell of a way to bounce back for, for Baker Mayfield. Still not sold on Baker Mayfield as a quarterback, but this was a very positive step in the right direction to see him be able to bounce back like that. Um, the Bengals' defense is nothing to really call home about, but still, you know that that's impressive no matter what what platform we're looking at. So I think it's the third or fourth straight week where we've seen a Browns wide receiver pass the ball. Jarvis Landry had another pass this week, uh, 19 yards. Uh, it was actually a dot. I don't know if you watched it. It was a left-handed dime. Down the sideline, but Kareem Hunt, 18 carries, 76 yards, uh, had a really pedestrian day outside of the touchdown. At the end, I mean, he's still you're still playing him, you're still getting him a solid 10 points every single week, and you're hoping for the touchdown upside, which he got you one late here. Uh, it was a I believe a screen pass that he just kind of walked into the end zone on. So without OBJ, what are you doing with this Browns wide receiver core? Who's the guy you want? Do you want Higgins? Uh, do you want Landry uh, in the tight end room? I think as Harrison Bryant is a favorite target of Baker right now in the absence of Austin Hooper. So what if Hooper remain if Hooper remains out, I want Harrison Bryant over David and Joku. For the wide receiver room, Richard Higgins is the guy. Uh, he has been. He's got the most chemistry with Baker because he's been in Cleveland for a few years now. He's consistently been right there, really close, just hasn't quite broken out. And then when they added OBJ, it was clear that he was going to be the third guy. And plus, there was Hollywood. Uh, what is it? Hollywood Higgins? Is that the other receiver that they have? No, I think it is Hollywood Higgins. I think it's him. Uh, okay, well, they well oh, they had, who was the guy they had? Was it like Hollywood Callaway or something oh, like Antonio that? Oh, Antonio Callaway, yeah. Antonio Callaway. So they so they had him and Higgins was kind of falling by the wayside, but he continues to hang around and hang around. I think that he's going to be the guy that you have uh, faith in. It's kind of a flex option. With this team just not really getting into shootouts like this very often, they prefer to grind it out and run the ball effectively. I don't have I don't have Higgins as like a wide receiver too, like I did OBJ. So I think Jarvis sees an uptick. 
but I think Higgins is the one that's going to slot in as like a flex with Peoples Jones as like a deep league flyer type. Also, I think Kareem Hunt had a good day. I was surprised he only had three catches for 26 yards, though. I just I would have expected more out of him, especially with them having to throw as much as they did. On the other side, Joe Burrow, man, Joey B, 406 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Oh goodness, did he have himself a day? And he had six carries, 34 yards, and a rushing touchdown. It was a good day. It was a good day to be that starting. That final Joe drive. That final drive was beautiful. That the that the Bengals ran. Uh, it's yeah. a shame that the Bengals could not pull out the game in the end because that beautiful drive, for, that that drive from Burrow at the end was absolutely beautiful. One thing to watch for Joe Burrow, he does not want to become Daniel Jones. He's had he had three fumbles in this game. Yeah, I, you know I noticed it in weeks one and two when I first watched Burrow. He, he's great, like he's absolutely fantastic. I think he's probably overperforming what you're expecting from a rookie, but at the same time. He's a rookie. There are still some things he needs to clean up, but I have absolutely no concerns. I I, I really yeah, don't at this no. point. I think he just needs to get a better feel for the pocket at the NFL level, and once he does that, he'll be fine. And maybe get an offensive lineman on the yes, it, like, yeah, on the onto the running backs. Obviously, Joe Mixon missed, missed the game. Giovanni Bernard stepped in. If you had watched the Done. live stream of myself and Alex, just kidding. Nope. Hey, Gio had a good fantasy day. He salvaged what? it. Yeah. Hey, guess what? The points still count. Doesn't matter if it happens in garbage <laughs> time or however it count. It counts. Counts. He had five catches for fifty nine yards and a touchdown. Cut all five of his targets. He only had thirteen carries for thirty seven yards. That's not great. But he was the only guy. It's like they know how to use Giovanni Bernard like they should use Joe Mixon, but they don't know how to use Joe Mixon like they should be using Joe Mixon. I I don't get it. I don't get how as soon as Mixon's out, they're like, hey, we got a guy. We're just going to give him the ball a lot. I think well, Joe Mixon leads the league in touches right now. Are you sure? Maybe not anymore, but he did coming into the week. It doesn't seem like he does. Right. I it just doesn't feel seem like, like he, he does, doesn't yeah. get enough work. I think because, it's because, I think because of the key situations. It's the key situations that they pull Mixon out where it seems like Bernard gets more work. And so it's the key situations like goal line or yeah, like Bernard the receiving gets a work. Weird amount of he gets yeah. a weird amount of work at the goal line. Makes exactly. no sense. So like Mixon, like that was that was definitely a narrative the first couple of weeks. But then in weeks four, I'm sorry, weeks through through three through six, uh, they definitely ramped up Mixon's touches. He was getting upwards of thirty touches per game for three games in a row there, and I think he was leading the league in touches when we came into the game. Uh, it might have been Alvin Kamara and Mixon too, but he was definitely right up there. And so I, that looks like it's going to be the system in Cincinnati, and I'm okay with that. So when, when Mixon comes back healthy, he's going to be the guy. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And so let's talk about this receiving core for Cincinnati. Uh, They're all three fantasy viable every week. I'm so happy to, find, to have you finally admit that T. Higgins is fantasy viable. Thank you. I said he was fantasy viable last week. I know, but on I've been our, banging this drum since week three. On our podcast, I said that he is fantasy viable. A.J. Green is also still fantasy viable, and the main reason is because the same reason that multiple guys are viable in Seattle. The defense is bad. The defense is bad, and Cincinnati has to throw to keep up, and Joe Burrow is, like you said, exceeding expectations, but at the same time meeting them because the expectations were so high for him coming into the year. There's like, there's no way he can hit them. Let's lower expectations, but he's hitting what... His absolute ceiling could be the receivers are benefiting as a result. Even Drew Sample had a good day. Five for 52 on six targets. I, the, the thing about A.J. Green is he's still getting the targets. I've made this point several times now 
why I'm still in on AJ Green. He's still getting the targets. The catch percent's a little bit down, but you can see it in his game. He's just rusty. You know, when you don't play football for an extended period of time, like he over the last two years, he's barely played any football. It it makes sense why he'd be rusty coming into a year where they don't get a lot of don't get a lot of football time on the field. They get their practice time, sure, but you don't get a lot of actual in game time. I think that they would they would have used the preseason to get him involved and get him going, and we would talk we would be talking about a a really thriving AJ Green at this point if he had those four preseason games to get under his belt, but. I think as we move into the week seven, week eight of the NFL season, we're going to start to see some of these guys really come into their own and start to clean up some of the problems that they had the first few weeks. Uh, T. Higgins is a flex option from week to week. Burrow loves him. I am so excited for when the wide receiver two opportunities are vacated from A.J. Green because T. Higgins is going to blow up. And I, I think Tyler Boyd's, Tyler Boyd's still the guy I yes. want, especially this year. Maybe next year I might move T. Higgins above Boyd. But right now, Boyd operates the slot. He's seeing a ton of targets, saw 13 in this game, 11 for 101, the touchdown. You love to see it there. You're starting. I'm comfortable starting Boyd and Green on a weekly basis. Higgins is a flex option. Drew Sample is a deep league tight end option. And I'm then, playing him in SFBX. <laughs> Yeah, I have yeah. To. <laughs> if you, yeah, so I, I know the pain of having to start certain guys. So, let's move on. What's the next game you want to go to here? Uh, let's just stick on the train of uh, terrible games for betters. Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Tennessee takes this game down to the wire. Uh, they make that final drive, about to kick that field goal to send this game to overtime to cover two and a half points. Uh, they were the two and a half point underdogs, and they missed the field goal to tie it with mere seconds to go. Uh, this game was interesting. I, you know, when we were coming into the week, I said that this game was going to be a defensive game, and for the most part, it kind of was. But at the same time, like there was a lot of big plays. It was really weird. So at the end of the day, both these quarterbacks became manageable for your fantasy lineups. Uh, Tannehill saved it in the fourth quarter, I think, uh, or the. Second half, mostly. In the first half, they were pretty pedestrian on offense as a whole. Uh, they weren't able to do much, but then Derrick Henry started rolling downhill. He started doing Derrick Henry things, and this offense kind of started going with it. So, on the uh, other side of the ball, Pittsburgh, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster did not lead the team in targets. Deontay Johnson led the team in targets, and I'm going to tell you that Juju And Juju had 14. Right. If, if I told you Juju had 14 targets and he didn't lead the team, you would have smacked me in the face. That's You'd be like, no, you're a liar. There's no how many, way. How, let's, let's see how many targets Claypool had. One. Yeah, Claypool had a bad one. day. One for negative two yards. And I think he had a fumble. He had a carry for a fumble. Maybe not. Maybe I make that up. But he... He did have a fumble. It was uh, on the one reception then. Okay. Yeah. All right. So he and had he, one yeah. reception. So I, I think this is the comeback down to earth game for Claypool. I'm still going out and buying him. I'm not buying him at that premium price that he was going for. I never was. I'm still trying to add him to my roster. But Juju's still the guy in Pittsburgh. Deontay, when he's healthy, is going to be the next guy in Pittsburgh. I think that's what we saw this week. And Deontay had another scare with an ankle injury. Uh, so hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, it appears that health is becoming a question mark for him. And hopefully Juju can start finding the end zone because that's going to be his crunch. If he can start getting nine catches for 80, 80 yards every week, that's great. But he's if he's not finding the end zone, it's going to start being his crutch. So hopefully the they get the offense rolling as a whole. James Conner looked really good. He had 20, only had 22, 20 carries for 82 yards, so the stat line doesn't show it, but he looks pretty good. Some of the plays he was making, uh, he was making something out of nothing. He kept his offense on the field more often than they should have been. And so uh, Big Ben really uh, had a okay day. 268 yards, two touchdowns, three picks. 
51 QBR on ESPN. Tannehill had 18 to 30, 222 scores. So overall, the guys got the job done, and Pittsburgh won this game, remaining as the only undefeated team in the NFL currently. What are some of your takeaways here uh, about the Pittsburgh team, and then we can kind of jump into Tennessee? Well, again, going to go back to the live stream from Sunday morning. I said that Juju, my my gut check of the week was that Juju was going to shake off all the doubters and was going to be a wide receiver one. Now, I don't have the I don't have the scoring in front of me. I'm going to pull it up. He had in full PPR, he had a 17 point week. While he may not fin- ultimately finish as a wide receiver one on the week because other guys like Devontae Adams, Tyler Lockett, who we'll get to soon, kind of just blew up the week. Like, let's see, Juju right now on the week is wide receiver 19 with a 17.5 point week. You will take that all day long. That is that's a great. That's a crazy statistic. He's 17 points in wide receiver 19. That's in full PPR. Yes, he's Holy wide crap. receiver 19. So, yes, you will take that all day long. I didn't quite get it right. I missed. He wasn't a wide receiver one. And if you're going to come after me for that, get the hell out of here. Because that was a good call. He had a good week. You started him and you were happy about it. For James Conner, here's the main thing about it. Everyone was like, oh, Conner's not going to be the workhorse. They're going to split touches. Nope. It just so happened that Benny Snell got the one goal, got the goal line touchdown. James Conner, when he's healthy, is the guy. He always will be, always has been. That's how Pittsburgh runs their offense is they want one guy to be the guy. As long as Connor's healthy, you're playing him. He'll get touchdowns. He'll have better weeks. My thing, Eric Ebron, 6 for 50 on 8 targets. Eric Ebron is clearly the receiving threat. He is clearly a high-end tight end, too, especially in this offense. That's my that's my opinion. I know some people are more down on Ebron, but I, I'm up on him. He continues to play exactly at what I thought he can do. And if he just gets one of those touchdowns, you are celebrating all the way to the bank with his week. He didn't get it. That's okay. 11 points out of your tight end that you probably drafted in the 15th round, you'll take that pretty much all day long. Deontay Johnson did exactly what I expected him to do, and Chase Claypool did exactly what I expected him to do. Now that Deontay Johnson's back, Chase Claypool is just a guy. Sorry. He's an extremely athletic, extremely talented guy. But Deontay Johnson is the wide receiver. If he's not the wide receiver one, he's the wide receiver two, and Juju's the other one. All right, let's Chase turn this, let's turn this to Dynasty wide real quick. Three. In a Dynasty perspective, do you think Juju returns to Pittsburgh next year? Or do you think Pittsburgh says, sorry, Juju, we have a really promising guy in Chase Claypool and another guy we really like in Deontay Johnson. We're going to roll with those two, and Juju hits the open market. Let me look at their salary situation because if I remember correctly, they don't have a lot of wiggle room. And if the salary cap goes down, they might have to let him go. That's that's the issue that a lot of teams are going to run into this year. There's a lot of talented players that are going going to, towards free agency, and you're you're only going to be able to do so much. Like so, I'm gonna I'm gonna update real quick. So they're projected to have how much cap space? Because it's not a lot. Okay, it's updating. It's updating. My producer's pulling it up, I swear, guys. All right, while he does that, I'll talk about Tennessee. So Yeah, talk about Tennessee real quick. Corey Davis salvaged his day with a touchdown. Six receptions, though, 35 yards, 10 targets. 10 targets is a nice number to see for Corey Davis. Uh, A.J. Brown, six catches, 153 yards, 73 of those coming on one play. Quick thing, Tyler Higby is inactive for tonight's game. I see that. And it's a healthy scratch. No, it's going to be a gross game anyway. I don't really care. Um, So let's see here. 
nobody else is noteworthy on this offense. I, I, I didn't get a chance to make this call on the live stream because I wasn't there, but Johnny Smith is one of my sits of the week for sure at the tight end position. I was not feeling him coming into this week, dealing with the ankle injury, coming into the week against a good Pittsburgh defense, a good Pittsburgh defense that matches up well with tight ends at the safety and linebacker position. Just wasn't feeling Johnny Smith this week, and he did indeed throw up a dud week. But A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, uh, definitely the two pass catchers you want. Corey Davis, you're hoping, can get a little bit more yardage with those catches. He's only got thirty, only had about six yards of catch in this game. But the 10 targets is really nice to see for Corey Davis. A.J. Brown is coming back to full health as well. That 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 touchdown play he had was actually quite kind of impressive. Uh, it was a really nice play from him. But it's going to be nice to see these two guys get back to form. Okay, so my producer finally got it pulled up. And Pittsburgh is currently scheduled to have seven million dollars in cap space right now. Yikes! And that's that's with that that's now that's not releasing anybody or making space available. Like there's probably some guys they can cut to save some money, but there's not a lot of mo- there's not a lot to move around here. Like Bud Dupree uh, is playing, I believe, on the franchise tag. So if you let him walk, then that frees up about fifteen million dollars in cap. Maybe then you're able to do a little bit more. So it'll be, I, it's tough. If I'm Pittsburgh, and you and Ben's back, I don't see a realm in where you don't sign Juju because he's still super talented. And it's one of those similar to how the Saints have put themselves in cal- salary cap hell. If you have a shot to win a Super Bowl with a quarterback, you you do it. You make it happen. And I know that we're on a podcast and we're Packer guys. And so we're like, well, Green Bay didn't do that. Nur, nur, nur. But Pittsburgh has a ch- realistic chance to win a title. They definitely ben, they did, though. Green Bay did put themselves in cap hell in all respective. But what I'm saying is everyone's like, oh, well, the Saints brought back Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and, yeah, and this player and this player and that player. And Green Bay went aggressive for – like defensive players, but they didn't get weapons, and everyone that's listening to the podcast is going to say, well, they didn't draft a receiver, whatever. Not important right now. Pittsburgh has a realistic chance to win a Super Bowl with Ben and with this defense because this defense is good. They're good at football. They had a bad week, but they had a bad week against a team that is quietly Like, the Titans are legit. They are a legit good team. And if it wasn't for a missed field goal by Steven Goskowski, they go to overtime, and with momentum on their side at home, they could have come out of that game with a win. So I think Juju ends up back there, and I think that you end up seeing these guys vulture each other's value for another couple of years here. Where are we heading next? What's another game that broke your heart on Sunday? Actually, this is one that was one of my locks of the week in terms of a spread. Panthers-Saints. Uh, I always thought that line, six and a half, seven points, was too big for, for Carolina to not cover. I uh, love this game from a perspective of the Panthers are a decent team, and they're, they're going to sneak some wins. Uh, I think they're better than we thought they were going to be coming into the year. They're going to sneak some wins. This was almost one of them. Uh, Saints played the game well, though. It was a good game overall. It was a good NFC South matchup. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater comes in 23 of 28, 254 yards, uh, two touchdowns. Highly efficient game. Uh, Mike Davis, absolute stinker of a day. Seven carries, 12 yards. Uh, He did not supplement it through the air that much. Five receptions, 24. Uh, DJ Moore had two touchdowns. One big play, 74 yards, four catches for 93 total, six catches for 74 for Robbie Anderson on eight targets, six catches for 48 on six targets for Curtis Samuel. Everything else, yes, everything else is negligible. He did have a a rushing touchdown as well, so 
Yeah, Finally, yeah. it took Curtis four weeks. Curtis Samuel <laughs> stole all of Mike Davis's value for the day by rushing for that touchdown. Yes, it took four weeks, but it finally happened. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, for Carolina, it's DJ Moore, your, your safe play, and Robbie Anderson, safe play. Mike Davis is going to have better weeks, although Curtis Samuel or Christian McCaffrey might be coming back, and that value is going to get zapped real fast. Teddy is a solid start in Superflex formats. He's a high-end QB, two, in my opinion, on most weeks because he takes care of the ball. And this offense is doing is doing their best with what they have with Teddy. They're not trying to make him something that he's not, which is something that so many teams could learn. Don't try and make your guys something that they're not. Let them do what they're good at, and you're going to have good results. Moving over to the Saints, Drew Brees, 29 for 36 for 287 yards, two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara, 14 for 83 on the ground, six yards per carry. That's pretty damn good. But where his value is made, eight catches, 65 yards on eight targets. Alvin Kamara is doing everything we thought he would do last year. He's doing it now. He's just getting all of the work. Like, Latavius Murray had 11 carries on the day and a catch, so he had 12 touches. Alvin Kamara had 22 and just did more with it. You you're, you love Kamara. He's doing everything he's supposed to. Taysom Hill, for whatever reason, threw a pass. I don't know why. Marquez Call- Callaway, is he – like? so he got we, hurt. Assume, we assume many <laughs> – oh, he, he got hurt? Yeah, he got hurt after he put up eight for seventy-five. Is it a serious injury, or is he going to be back next uh, week? I'm not sure. It looked like a lower leg injury. Uh, rough. He, he, walked the, he walked up the field, though, from what I can remember. We expect Manny Sanders to miss next week due to his COVID issues. Um, that's like that was announced. Michael like, Thomas his, isn't playing next week either. He yeah. So so if Callaway's back. You're starting Callaway, I suppose. And uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, as a flex option, as the like the wide receiver one, he saw ten targets. That's five more than Deontay Harris, six more than Traquan Smith. I think that you can feel safe starting Callaway against uh, who? Who do the Saints play next? I don't think they have a wait. They play the Bears. Okay, never mind. I take it back. You're probably not starting Marcus Callaway. <laughs> I think against <laughs> the Bears. You're starting Kamara in that game. Yeah, I was like against Cook. the Bears that. Kamara and I, I wouldn't even start Cook. He only had three for no. thirty-two, and his day was buoyed by a touchdown. Hey, so. it was a nice touchdown catch, though. It was. It, nice it, it it was. It's the premier highlight for the uh, like on ESPN here. So <laughs> after next week, if Thomas continues to miss, maybe Callaway's a thing again. But just against the Bears, I don't want to start anything. It's going to be a gross matchup tonight anyway. You know who you're starting for the Rams or for the Saints and the Panthers. Like Tyler said, they're a sneaky team. They're playing well. Ian Thomas still can't get involved anymore, but that's because you got DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson who are playing great football, and Curtis Samuel is finally starting to show some life. Also, I agree with you. I bet on the Panthers to cover this game, and so I I was right there with you and winning some money on this game. Yeah, it was one of my like I said one of my locks of the week when I looked at all the spreads and was taken into account. So we're gonna move on though. We're gonna I don't want to spend a lot of time on these next two games just because they're rather fluky in nature in a lot of ways. Uh, first one, Bills Jets. Uh, just it's it's equivalent to the Buccaneers Packers game from a week ago. I just don't care. I, from a fantasy perspective, I just don't care. Uh, I was mad that the Bills were the first team that couldn't cover the thirteen and a half point spread for the Jets, but I just don't care. Tyler Bass had eight field goal attempts. That's okay. I'm trying to load my stats, so that's actually crazy. He went six for eight. And he had a long of 53. He scored all 18 points. I knew he scored all 18 points. I didn't realize he had eight field goal attempts, but it makes sense when you can look at the stat line here. 
Josh Allen, 30 for 43, 307 yards. He had no tur- he had a fumble. That was his only turnover on the day. From the receivers, Cole Beasley, your boy, 11 catches, 112 yards my on 12 boy. targets. You know, I no my I, when I'm saying your boy, I'm just talking <laughs> to the general public here. Not your boy. I was about to Not say you. you were you were in on Stephon Diggs. I liked Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley, 11 for 112, had a good day. Zach Moss had seven for 47. So certain people out in the Twitterverse are loving his loving the play there, but I'm still not overwhelmed by it. Singletary, eight for 29 to go with two catches for 18 yards. Zach Moss had three catches for 25 yards. So when John Brown comes back, what are you doing with the receiving core? Because I think that's the big thing that we all want to know. I'm still playing John Brown because we haven't really gotten a fair a fair no, shake. No, 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 not John Brown. I want to know what everybody else is. I know you're playing Stephon Diggs and John Brown. What are you doing after That's him? It. Are you playing Cole Beasley? No, not unless Why? it's like a deep PPR. That's it. It is. It is a deep PPR. Sure. PPR. Sure. Throw him in the flex. Cool. That's it. That's the way it though. I mean, he's continued to produce. He's been probably their most consistent receiver this year, and like other than Stephon Diggs, but over the last few weeks, it's been Beasley. I've been burned by Beasley before, and I don't plan to be burned by Beasley again. Did you not have him last year? Because he was probably the most consistent receiver in fantasy football last year. It was not last year. It was before last year. It was before last year when he was still in Cowboy, uh, still in Dallas. Excuse me. I need to go pull up his stat line from last year because he was really good all year last year. I would know. I had him in a deep PPR league, and I could slot him in every week for like 10 points, and if he fell into the end zone, he had a good week. So let's look at look at him this year. So he's got over his last so four for fifty eight in week one, five for seventy, six for a hundred, three for thirty two, but he got a touchdown. Six for fifty three, four for forty five, and a touchdown. Eleven for one twelve. He's caught at least three balls in every game. He's caught at least gone for at least thirty yards in every game. And in the games there he's had his two lowest yardage totals, he's gotten into the end zone. He is a safe PPR play. You're not playing him in standard. But in PPR, I think he's a safe play in even 12-team leagues. With as much as this roster is throwing the ball, I think that he's a safe play because he gets he gets all of the underneath work. Stephon Diggs is going down the field. John Brown going down the field. Cole Beasley getting everything within five yards of the line of scrimmage. That's fair, I guess. Um, Score. You're probably going to start driving because my ESPN crashed, so... Okay, that's fine. Let's go over to the Jets side of the ball. We got Sam Darnold, didn't do nothing. You're not starting. Frank Gore had 11 for 60, 5.5 yards per carry. LaMichael Pirine, 11 for 39, but he got the all-important touchdown. He also had two catches for 16 yards on three targets. In the receiving core, not a lot to talk about. Jamison Crowder's out, which kind of makes these numbers a little fluky, but Denzel Mims in his first game off of IR had four for 42, had seven targets. Braxton Berrios had four for 35 on seven targets. I think Mims showed a little promise here. You like to hear, you like to see that. I don't I don't know how much of a workload he's going to have when Crowder comes back. That's going to be interesting to see. Darnold's still garbage, so yeah, I will say this: Sam Darnold made me look like an idiot because of the Baker thing. Because right after as Baker was 0 for five with the pick, I tweeted, "Are we sure Sam Darnold is worse than or Sam Darnold's worse than Baker Mayfield?" That Darnold laid a goose egg for the rest of the day, and Baker went and put up five touchdowns so that happened to me you're not playing chris herndon the only guys i'm really interested in jameson crowder and then i like denzel mims as a stash lamaika p ryan if you're looking for a running back stash i think that's the guy he's starting to get used more he got the goal line work he's got some potential to be something not playing him yet 
just getting him out there. <laughs> I actually have one league I do have to play him in, so I have been playing him there. Uh, not nice. really by choice, obviously. But... Nice. We're going to move to the last trash game of the week. Can you guess which game I'm looking at? Uh, it's got to be Washington and Dallas. It is Washington and Dallas. Another game. fluke game. This is, I was just going to knock no, these two game games out. this game was not out. a fluke. This game was not a fluke. No, listen here's, to me. Here, here's, here's why. why. No, All okay. of the offensive line for Dallas is injured. Washington's strength is their front seven. And what did they do? They beat the absolute living tar out of Andy Dalton and Ben DiNucci of DiNucci's Diner. Okay, so when I say it's a fluke, I am saying from the sense of, okay, maybe fluke wasn't the right word here. This Cowboys team is in trouble. And the reason they're in trouble is they just look, like I talked about Todd Gurley earlier. He was beaten down from a physical standpoint. Every single one of these Cowboys players looks like they are beaten down from an emotional standpoint. They just look like, they just look miserable. And they, it is showing on the football field, regardless of the injuries. We have seen teams weather injuries and make plays in games before. This was not one of those cases. The Cowboys are a beaten team who are going to struggle to win against anybody right now. I don't care who's under center. This, the, the, all hope has been sucked out of this Cowboys team. And until then, I don't know if you can play anybody but Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper. And yeah, uh, Amari Cooper is the only receiver I'm playing. Obviously, you're not playing Gallup. Some people are speculating drop him, which is not necessarily the worst thing. C.D. Lamb, you can't drop him. He still had five targets on the day. That was second on the roster behind only Amari Cooper, who caught all seven of his for 80 yards. That's 15 points. That's a really down game, especially after he's been playing so well for so long. Zeke, 12 for 45. He's going to have better days. He's going to have easier matchups. But at the same time, this offensive line is just, it's in shambles. Like, absolute. They only had one starter. They're playing just backups on backups. They're down four offensive tackles, three guards. It's just, it's absolutely brutal. Andy Dalton's got a concussion on an extremely questionable hit. Uh, Patrick. They're not going to do it. They're not. <laughs> It'd be fun they, though. They, it would immediately it would immediately return this Cowboys offense to value. It, it would. It would, but they're not going to do it. They just they, granted they could, and then they could make a run at the NFC East, but they're not going to do it as much as we all wanted to. I don't want to even talk about them. I want to move over to Washington. Antonio Gibson showed some life, but he he was really game script dependent. You he had twenty for one twenty eight and a touchdown. That's great. He had no catches and only one target on the day. J.D. McKissick is taking over the receiving role in the third down work, He had, but he only had two for 16 on two targets, and he had five carries for 35 yards. Down day from J.D. McKissick. I missed on that one. But I also don't think Washington's going to have this favorable of a game script. So temper your expectations. Don't take this game and say, oh, Antonio gets So you'd call it a fluke? This, for one half of the field, yes. For, okay. for Washington, yes. For, for Dallas, not so much. Now, Terry McLaurin, you're starting him every week. If you weren't before, Absolutely. you should now. Also, if you have not seen the clip of him talking in the locker room post game, go watch it. It was a uh, it was a really cool clip to watch. Uh, it was really it was it really showed his leadership and his maturity uh, that he's displaying. He's quickly developing into a young leader on this roster that has a couple of veteran faces, but it's got a lot of young faces on it as well. So Terry McLaurin's great. He is a top ten receiver. Explicit. Ex- Blissfully because of his volume, regardless of Kyle Allen as the quarterback. He saw 11 targets, caught 7 for 90 and a touchdown, had a big day. Could have had a bigger day. He had a touchdown called back due to a penalty. So 
Also, Logan Thomas is kind of a thing, four for 16, a touchdown on four targets. So you'd like to see a little bit more out of Logan Thomas, but at the same time, for tight ends, he finally showed some life. In deeper leagues, he's an interesting option. He might sh- and he might be able to get back into that tight end one conversation that everybody thought he was going to be in after week one. He's, I'm not going to put him there yet, but it's interesting. Let's move on. We got Green Bay trouncing the Houston Texans. Green Bay held Houston scoreless ultimately uh, in the first half, ultimately ended up winning 35-20. to 20. Aaron Rodgers, 23 of 34, 283 yards and four touchdowns. Didn't take a sack on the day, which is great, especially after the beating he took last week. Only got hit once. On the ground, you had Jamal Williams, 19 for 77 and a touchdown. And he also had four four catches for 37 yards on five targets. But the big story, I've kind of buried the lead a little bit here, was Devontae Adams, 13 for 196 and two touchdowns, caught on 16 targets. Devontae Adams is the wide receiver one every single week. Because right now, there's not another receiver that is getting any work. Marquez Valdez-Scantling saw four targets, didn't catch any of them. He had one where it looked like he was trying to do a toe tap in the middle of the field. It was the most bizarre, bizarre thing I had ever seen. Did you, or do you know the play I'm talking about, Tyler? I actually did not see this play specifically. So he had, So he's probably about nine or so yards away from the sideline. He's got the defender about a yard behind him, so he's got room, and the ball goes and hits his hands, and the way his body is set up, it looks like he's trying to do a toe drag, like he thinks he's on the sideline. I don't know if he lost placement of where he was or what happened. It just looked weird. But Devontae Adams, you're playing him all the time. Robert Tanyan didn't do anything. Jay Sternberg caught his one target for a touchdown. That's great, but not enough volume. If Aaron Jones misses any more time, Jamal Williams is a great start, borderline RB1. Moving over to the Houston side of things. Deshaun Watson, 29-39, 309 yards, two touchdowns. David Johnson, 14 for 42, had four catches for 42 yards, but he got a touchdown, which really salvaged his day. Uh, It was something that I kind of talked about on the live stream and in DFS stuff, I thought he had a potential to have a big day, four for 42 and a touchdown with the, all that. Let's see, so what is that? Eight, 14, 18. That's an 18 point fantasy day. That's a good day. You'll take that all day long. Duke Johnson didn't do anything. Will Fuller got shut down three for 35. He salvaged his day with a touchdown when he wasn't, when he finally didn't have to go on Jair Island. Jair literally erased him all afternoon. Now the Randall Cobb, eight for 95 on 10 targets. Brandon Cook, 7 for 60. Hello? Oh, Fluke? Fluke? Yeah, because he was covered by linebackers all game. It's shocking what happens when you cover a wide receiver with, a, with linebackers. I think there was a little bit of uh, vindictiveness in uh, Cobb's game, too. He just wanted to get he, – he just wanted to make plays. You could see yeah. it, and he was pumped up. Yeah, he did. He had a couple where he caught him and looked immediately at the sideline. It's like, dude, the GM that let you go is not on the sideline. You know Aaron Rodgers wants you back. You know everybody on this roster would love to have you back. Don't don't get vindictive with them. Look up in the boxes, man. So, Cobb had a good game. Brandon Cooks continues to roll seven for sixty. Didn't get into the end zone this week, but that's okay. You're still you're still happy with seven for sixty out of Cooks, especially with how cheap he was to get this year. Um, the tight ends had no catches though, which is stunning to me. How do you come out of this game where the middle of the field for Green Bay got carved up and then no tight end got a catch, not even a target? I don't, I don't know. I, the The offensive line for Houston was struggling against Deshaun, uh, against the Packers. Deshaun Watson was under struggle 
or oh my god, under pressure. I'm struggling. Uh, Deshaun Watson was under pressure the entire day. And for anybody who's going to look at this game and look at the box score and say, wow, Deshaun Watson really had his way, he really he, he had to earn every single yard he gained because the Packers were after him all day. And it, I think it shows in the final score a little bit. The final score ended up being 35-20, to 20, but there's some, garbage, there's some garbage points in there. This game was not as close as that at all. And so uh, the Packers did a really good job of actually containing him, I thought. And um, he still put up 309 yards, two touchdowns, and I think he ran. Did he run one in? No, he didn't run one in, but he came close. Yep. Uh, so had seven for 38 on the ground. Yeah, I, I think that this is a. I think this is how we expected the game to go for the most part, all around. I don't. I don't think there's really any surprises here, other than maybe the Houston tight ends might be the only surprise. Uh, I don't think that the 13 target or 16 target game for Devonte Adams. I don't think those persist. I just don't. I think that, yeah, he's going to be the clear wide receiver one in Green Bay. I, don't I think, think it happens again next week I against Minnesota maybe, at home. Maybe, but I somebody's going to step up and start getting targets in this offense. Somebody. You you say that. I I want to see it to believe it. There's no Aaron Jones this week, too. Think about that. Like the, uh, There's a lot of factors that played into this game. I'm going to say this. Devontae Adams, I haven't my rankings don't come out till Wednesday. Devontae Adams will be my wide receiver one this week. I have no doubt there's not going to be anybody else in that spot. So for those of you that want a sneak peek of my rankings, I just gave you my wide receiver one for the week. It's going to be Devontae Adams. Do I think he's going to get 13 for 196 and two touchdowns and 16 targets? No. Do I think he's probably going to still see 10 to 12 targets? Probably go over 100 yards? Probably get a touchdown? Absolutely. And that's good enough for my wide receiver one for the week. Let's move on. I think we got to get into some of these four o'clock games now. Man, these were brutal. Tampa Bay Raiders. Buccaneers win 45-20. Tom Brady, 33 of 45, 369 yards and four touchdowns. Didn't have any didn't get sacked on the day. That's good for him. Leonard Fournette, 11 50, no touchdowns. Ronald Jones had 13 for 34 and a touchdown on the day. Tom Brady had one for one and a touchdown because, of course, he did because that's what Tom Brady does. It's the most frustrating play in football. I have no idea how he has played for 20 years, and yet no one can figure out that he's going to do the same thing every damn time. Oh, man, I wonder I wonder what Brady's going to do. They're on the one. What's the? What are they going to do? He's going to run a sneak every time. Every time it happens. I just want it's Ronald Jones touchdowns. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not going to get him anymore because he dropped that one ball, and then I don't know that he saw another snap or another touch. Yeah, that's the problem with Bruce Arians is he can get really, really, really set in his ways, and he's like, dude, you pissed me off. You're done. Like, I, that's the one problem with Bruce Arians. It's like, it's like Mike McCarthy. It was the same reason he couldn't get Aaron Jones on the field. He had a problem with Aaron Jones, and he let that affect his ability to play the best players. And so well, we'll see how that progresses. I I don't think Fournette is going to be the guy in Tampa. I don't. I still think I still I still think it's Aaron, uh, Ronald Jones. I keep calling him Aaron Jones. I still think it's Ronald Jones, but that was not a good look, obviously. Yeah, no, it wasn't a good look at all. Let's move on to some of these receivers, though. Scotty Miller, six for one hundred nine on nine targets. He caught a touchdown. It was a beautiful touchdown at that. Chris Godwin had nine for eighty-eight and a touchdown. Caught all nine of his targets. Great day out of him. Gronk saw five. Got five for sixty-two and a touchdown. Had eight targets to himself. Also, Fournette had six for 47 on seven targets. So Fournette got all of the receiving work, but we're not going to talk about that. The interesting player here, and you and I talked about this a little bit 
uh, off the air today because there was a certain person on Twitter who had a very hot take of Mike Evans being droppable in redraft. He had two for 37 on two targets. Obviously, Antonio Brown is being added to the offense. Uh, if you are like me, you have your qualms with that decision. But at the end of the day, we're not GMs. We don't get to make those calls. Antonio Brown is going to affect the workload that Mike Evans sees. He's already not seeing a ton of volume. I told you this this statistic, for those of you that don't know, when Chris Godwin has been active this season, Mike Evans is wide receiver 57 on the year. That's but what bad. is he? What, what is he total right now? What is he? I think he's what, wide receiver 17? Wide receiver 20. So receiver you're 20. telling me you're going to drop the wide receiver 20. I don't care who's coming in. Antonio, no, Brown, I, Antonio Brown has not played football in two years, and he's not the same type of receiver that Mike Evans is. If, if he's going to affect anybody, it's Chris Godwin. I think it's more Scotty Miller, but yeah. That too. Because yeah, I think Miller. Godwin is better than Antonio Brown right now. But I mean, give give this offense a chance to really figure things out when they're all in this when they're all healthy because th- this is the first game that they've really all been healthy. N- but so okay, so here's the issue that I have with Mike Evans. And again, I want it to be clear: I'm not dropping Mike Evans. That's just, ir- it's irresponsible that. because like if you don't pursue a trade option for Mike Evans, if you don't pursue a trade, somebody will bite. I don't care. I agree. I agree. Like, I just I want that to be clear: I'm not dropping Mike Evans. I told Tyler this that I'm not dropping Mike Evans, but I understood the process that the analyst in question, I'm not going to put them out there because it's not fair. They're allowed to have their opinion, but I made it clear how you can get to that spot. You can say that Mike Evans is in a loaded offense. He hasn't been getting a ton of volume on the year. He's got 25 catches, 318 yards, six touchdowns. He's averaging 12 yards per catch. He's been largely buoyed by touchdowns. I'm not saying drop Mike Evans. If you want to move Mike Evans, it's going to be kind of hard because his value is so low, but you can probably still get something for him. So I, I'm not advocating dropping Mike Evans. I'm just saying that the process to get there isn't some – it's not It's not rocket science. There is a There is a logical path to get there. I don't agree with it. I would not do it. But I can understand how this analyst got to this decision. I don't You're understand not, how you can logically approach the decision though because who are you going to pick up that's better than Mike Evans right now? Name me, name me somebody on the waiver wire that's going to be better on your team than Mike Evans. Cole Beasley, my guy. No, I'm not. No, you're not. Again, you're not dropping Mike Evans. But, that, but that's I, the logic of it. If you're going to say drop somebody, and this is not necessarily directed at you. This is just a general fantasy discussion. If you're going to say drop somebody, you better have somebody that you're dropping them for. You better have a good option in, in tow so that you, when you go to drop this player, you're like, oh, I feel better about the player I'm getting back. Otherwise, it just becomes hot takey to say, I'm going to drop him because I'm going to drop him. And so it, it needs to be a decision in the sense of, okay, you're dropping him, but I'm dropping him because I like this player on the waiver because of this. That's the decision that needs to be had, and that's how you need to think about all the players on your roster. Yeah, no, I agree. You're not dropping Mike Evans, but I understood the process there. I want to move over, though. I want to talk about the Raiders. And also, I want everyone to know, this game was close. This game was real close. It was 20 to 24 in the fourth quarter. And then Buccaneers got three late touchdowns that really made it look like a blowout. It was much closer than it appeared, which is why I still think the Buccaneers are not as good as everyone thinks they are. But that's just my opinion. Derek Carr, 24 36, 284 yards, two touchdowns. He had a pick. The pick was a bad throw. Um, if I remember correctly, it went off his receiver's hands. It just it wasn't a good look. 
in the backfield, Josh Jacobs didn't do anything. If you listen to the live stream, he was my sit of the week, 10 for 17, 10 yard carries for 17 yards, three catches for 14 yards. That is an absolutely brutal day. In PPR, this is, and this is the maximum possible scoring he could get, it'd be 6.1 points on the day. It was absolutely awful. He's going to have better games. Trent Brown's going to come back from COVID, and they're not going to pl- face the team that has been the number one run defense in the NFL over the past two years. So he's going to have better games. So I'm not really paying too, too close of attention to the, to the rushing running backs. In the receiving core, though, Darren Waller had six for 50 and a touchdown, nine, nine targets. That's a good day. Hunter Renfro had four for 42 on six. Nelson Aguilar had five for 107 and a touchdown. He had nine targets on the day. Henry Ruggs had two for 35 and three targets. John Gruden was asked today how they how he thought the Buccaneers defended Henry Ruggs, and he said, "We got to get we got to scheme more touches for him. We got to get him the ball more. The guy's a playmaker." And I agree, you got to get him more touches. But you can't in fantasy. You can't just say, "Oh, well, coach said he's going to get him more touches." No, you can't start Henry Ruggs if you're starting him right now. I don't know why, but then again, I'm not starting any receiver. Are you starting Nelson Aguilar? Absolutely not. Cool. So then you're all on this entire offense, Derek Carr in Superflex, or maybe if he's got a good matchup for the week. Josh Jacobs is going to have better weeks. And Darren Waller, you're safe starting him, as always. But right now, these receivers are too weird. They're flip-flopping, and you can never really predict who's going to have a good week. And so you can't start any of them. That's the problem here. You can't start any of them because you can't predict who's going to be the guy. So don't take too much out of it for for the for Raiders. Uh, Tampa, you kind of know what's going on, but Antonio Brown is going to come in and he's going to mess a lot of things up. So just be careful. Chris Godwin, I think, remains steady. Gronk remains steady. I don't know what's going to happen between Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, and Antonio Brown. And then the running backs are weird. I think I think Leonard Fournette's better. Tyler thinks Ronald Jones is better. I understand, and I can understand the argument for each one. So we're going to move on here. And this next game is going to be quick. San Francisco blows out the New England Patriots 33-6 to on the road. Brutal. Brutal if you're a Patriots fan. But we saw the matchup from a mile away. The Patriots offense was going to struggle. They were always going to struggle. The, yep. So I think we look back a couple weeks ago when this 49ers defense got torched by the Eagles. I think that was just a fluke game. We talk about fluke games for all these teams. That was a fluke game for this for this Niners team. I I said it then. Like I don't care how injured this team is, they're still a good defense. Like they they've lost some key players, and it's probably going to affect them in some key situations. But they're still a good defense, and so I think that's how we have to operate going forward. Uh, they still have a lot of really talented players, and this matchup was never good for the Patriots. Yeah, I will say this though: Jimmy G, twenty of twenty five, no touchdowns, two hundred seventy seven yards, had two picks. He wasn't even good, and they still blew the Patriots out because of the running game. Jeff Wilson, 17 for 112 and three touchdowns. Jamichael and Hasty, Now he's out for a month. <laughs> yep, Jeff Wilson's out. Jarek McKinnon will get more work, but I think Jamichael Hasty is the guy. Tevin uh, Coleman should come back soon. Should, but I feel like we've been saying that for a few weeks now. Uh, so I don't until, know, maybe, but we'll have to check that. So until I see that, go ahead and have your producer pull that up. So until I see that, though, I think Jamichael Hasty is the guy I'm comfortable playing. Because Hasty got the work, Jarek McKinnon literally it was a he it was a no show for the entire game. He had three carries for negative one yard, and his long of the day was one. So his other two went for negative two. I'm not you're not playing Jarek McKinnon. I don't really love playing Jamichael Hasty, but I will if I have to. 
Unfortunately, Debo Samuel is out for at least next week and possibly the week after. So for you Packer fans out there, Samuel is a is a strong possibility that he misses the game. Don't count on it. It's just a possibility. But that leaves Brandon Ayuk as the guy. Six for 115 on seven targets. And he's going up against the worst pass defense in football in the Seattle Seahawks. So Brandon Ayuk is probably a wide receiver two this week. Probably. And on Tevin I, Coleman, I, I can't put him in wide receiver one. So. On Tevin Coleman, there's an outside chance, according to Shanahan, that he plays in week eight. So you're looking at week nine, most likely, for Coleman. Cool. All right. So hasty, hasty train for this week? Uh, I, no. <laughs> I'm not. If I can avoid it, I'm going to. But if I absolutely have to, then yeah, I think there's value there. Okay, cool. George Kittle, you're still playing five for 55. Not much else of value here. Even if. Samuel miss even when Samuel misses week eight, you're probably not playing Kendrick Bourne. Like he's a deep, 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 deep shot, maybe, but that's about it. On the Patriots side, like you said, really fluky. Not much to take here. Cam struggled big time. Damien Harris at 10 for 58, so he's still the guy, but you can't really take much out of it. I mean, when James White only has one catch for three yards and a 27 point loss, you just know it was a weird game. We're not even going to spend any more time on it. I want to get to these last two four o'clock games. Chiefs blow out the Broncos, 43-16. to Patrick Mahomes, 15 for 23, 200 yards and a touchdown. Relatively pedestrian day by Mahomes' standards. And it was, and this game was all on the defense, but we're not there yet. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 8 for 46 and a touchdown. He looked effective. Le'Veon Bell, 6 for 39. He looked effective. Miko Hardman was the only—Tyreek Hill was the only passing receiver or passing threat that had a good day. He had six for 55 on 10 targets. and a t- Oh, and he had a touchdown as well. So he had low-key a down day by his standards. Travis Kelsey, three for 31, but it's a snow game. I'm not putting too much stock into it. I think that there will be better days for this offense moving forward. Do you think that Bell continues to eat into Edwards-Alaire's touches as much as he did? Yes. Okay. What do you so? What does that do for you for Edwards Alaire moving forward? Like, where does he like? He was a borderline RB one. Is he now a low end RB two? I think that they both come into the conversation for RB two every week. With Bell being a lower end possibility for RB two, probably a high end RB three. With Edwards Alaire being a solid discussion for RB two. Uh, we talked about this. I think it's not necessarily the death sentence for either one of them. You just have to temper your expectations. This week, Edwards Hilaire got the touchdown. Next week, it could be Bell. So I think that's really what we have to look at here. It's just going to be a give and take and kind of figuring it out. But I think they're both playable in most formats. Uh, Bell is going to be a flex option moving forward. Uh, the offense as a whole was stifled. I mean, this Broncos defense, I talked about it, is better than the record shows it's better than what you would think it would be. This is a good Broncos defense, and they're going to put up some games uh, where they stop the opposing team. And this was a game where they, off, defensively, they did their job. The Broncos offense did not help this team out at all. Uh, Drew Locke, two, 24 of 40, 254, and two interceptions. Uh, overall, I mean, they, they were able to run the ball a little bit, which is expected on the Chiefs, but they were not able to throw, which is exactly how it's supposed to go. And, uh, yeah, Albert Okuibunum. Seven catches for 60 yards. You should probably pick him up because this is this is not the first time he's done that. So uh, probably going to pick up Okay Wibunum and uh, Jerry Judy. I am sadly declaring Jerry Judy darn near droppable. <laughs> you want to talk about droppable? I think there are better options on the on the waiver on the waiver wire than Jerry Judy right now. I don't know what's going on. 
I don't know why he's not getting the ball. It seemed like he was going to be the focal point of this offense, especially with Cortland Sutton going down. It's because he's not a thick boy tight end. Tim Patrick had four targets. Jerry Judy had four targets. Noah Fant and Albert Alberto, I can't even say it. I commend you for being able to. I can't do it. Alberto had seven targets. They so they had fourteen of his forty targets. Jerry Judy just isn't that guy. I don't know if Drew Lock just doesn't have the comfort level with him or what's going on. I think he should be getting more work. He's not. I agree with you. He's borderline droppable. If you play in an extremely deep league, you might not have a better option, but in majority leagues, like twelve and smaller, you probably have better options available to you, unfortunately. Tim Patrick had three for 44, nearly had a touchdown, didn't quite come down with it. Or it was either he didn't quite come down with it or he caught a touchdown and then it got called back for a penalty. So I think Patrick's still a flex option. I think he caught it, but oh well. He's still a flex option in a lot of formats, but but he's not much more than that. Uh, I think Albert O is going to continue to eat. I think Fant is still the tight end one here. I just think Albert O had the better game. But they are both uh, borderline, like fantasy fantasy options. They'll definitely be ranked for us next week. Philip, Philip Lindsay, 9 for 79, left with a concussion. Melvin Gordon, 17 for 68, and a touchdown. I said before the year that the only way Melvin Gordon has value is if he gets volume. And what did he get? He got volume. He got the touchdown. It's dumb. I don't think he's as good as Philip Lindsay. But as long if Lindsay misses another game, Melvin Gordon's a safe start. If Philip Lindsay's back, I think that they're both uh, low end. I think they're middle middle tier flex options is probably where I'm going with those. Yeah, guys. Lindsay will be dealing with a concussion too, and I expect the Broncos, with not having a winning record at the moment, to to proceed with caution because there's no, there's, there's no reason to to risk it for him at the moment. So I, I maybe it's gonna be the Melvin Gordon show for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and if that's the case, Melvin Gordon is a good start for fantasy because he gets volume. Let's move on though to the final four o'clock game, the shootout of shootouts. Jacksonville Jaguars coming up 10 points short, 29-39 to the Los Angeles Chargers. Go, Chargers, go. Justin uh, freaking Herbert. 27 of 43, 347 yards, three touchdowns. Also added nine carries for 66 yards and a touchdown. The flow god, he is out there slinging it. He is the first quarterback to start their career with five straight games of 250 or more passing yards. He is a locked in low end or QB one with high with QB one or high end QB one upside depending on his matchup every week. I say that, and I'm pretty sure next week he plays Denver in Denver. So temporary expectations next week, but I think he's still a say he's still a good start. Um, he had a good day. The running backs didn't. Josh Kelly and Justin Jackson are mostly forgettable. I'm not even going to address them. I just think they had bad days. Keenan Allen, 10 for 125 on 13 targets. Holy but jeez. And then there's no other receiver that's – well, Jalen Guyton had two for 84 and a touchdown on three targets. Hunter Henry had three for 23 on seven targets. How is the – this is like the Mike Gesicki show from, from not this week but last week where – all of the other tight ends scored, but he didn't. Virgil Green had one catch for 26 yards and a touchdown. Donald Parham, one catch, 22 yards, and a touchdown. Why is Hunter Henry get the short end of the stick here? I don't know, but I'm not worried about it. He'll be fine moving forward. Uh, let's talk about the Jaguars. Uh, they are spreading the ball around. There's no other way to put it. Uh, no, I mean, DJ Shark played in this game. He had one catch for seven targets. I was going to say no DJ Shark because it seems like he didn't play, but... He had one catch for 26 yards. Uh, James Robinson led the entire team with receptions for four for 18. Had a score there on six targets. Uh, and he had a rushing touchdown as well. He had a good, James Robinson, if I remember correctly, is RB2 in fantasy right now. Yes. 
for the year. And so yet somehow I still can't get behind him. I don't know what it is. It's just something in my gut. Like my gut is I telling me I can get behind no. him for redraft, but I yes. saw a dynasty question about him today. Like, what are you doing with him in dynasty? I'm like, I'm selling him. If I if I roster James Robinson in dynasty, I am selling him everywhere because people are gonna overpay for him, especially if you're sell if you could find a contender that's willing to give you a mid to late first. Are you doing James Robinson for a mid to late first straight up? Absolutely. I got him, but I, I mentioned it several times in this podcast. I've gotten him in a deal for Saquon Barkley. So that's yeah. that's so, the ceiling you can get right now. So for redraft, you're holding him, but in Dynasty, I'm selling him hot. Like I'm selling him if unless I'm a contender. If I'm a contender, I'm keeping him. But if I am a if I am not contending for the playoffs this year and I'm just trying to have as worst team as possible to try and get as good of a record, sell him off. Someone's going to overpay for him. That's going to be great. LaVisca Chenault doesn't get enough work. He only had four touches for 44 yards. It's bananas. The guy is clearly, if not your most talented offensive weapon, he's your second most talented offensive weapon, and you're not getting him enough looks. He only had three targets on the day. Uh, brief news here. D.D. Westbrook is going to be out for the year with the Tornado CL. Not that it really mattered, but, you know. He didn't He didn't even have a target in this game. Rip D.D., though. Rip oh, D.D. I, I, yeah, I don't know if he had a I – don't, I don't remember how it happened, but yeah. – He didn't even have a target. Yeah. Yep. Let's go to the final game of the night, though. Final game we're going to talk about here, and then we're going to get out of here. The Seattle Seahawks coming up just short, 34-37, to the Arizona Cardinals on the road. Cardinals stormed back fast and furious, scoring 17 points in the second half to tie the game, send it to overtime. Man, this was this was something. Russell Wilson, 33 of 50, 388 yards, three touchdowns, but he had three pesky interceptions, including a key one late that was just boneheaded and didn't make any sense why he was throwing it there. I think there was yep. just good coverage by the Cardinals, honestly. It was a good play call. I mean, Simmons Simmons dropped back on that ball so quickly. And then that's what that's what they drafted Isaiah Simmons for, and it was executed yeah. to perfection. So Yeah, Simmons played it well. I agree. But I just meant I think that they could they could have schemed up a better play there, maybe. Granted, if you just don't have a holding penalty by your wide receiver on the play before that, Tyler, DK Metcalf walks off. He has a fifty-yard touchdown or fifty-yard touchdown reception that would have made me an extra sixty dollars on the night. So, so rip that. But Tyler Lockett, fifteen for two hundred, three touchdowns on twenty targets. He literally was a target machine. This is Tyler Lockett's not going to have this good of a week. Similar to Devontae Adams, he's not going to have this good of a week every week, but he is going to have good weeks every week. And does DK Metcalf worry you at all? Because no. he, he got locked up by Patrick Peterson. You would think athletically that he'd be able to beat Patrick Peterson, right? Now, Patrick Peterson's one of the most talented cornerbacks in the NFL over the last decade. Okay, fine. That's not – but my point is – exactly. So he's, he's a talented corner, but from a physical athletic standpoint, I'm taking DK in that battle every day. So that tells me that Peterson locked him up from a technical standpoint. So – and. Now, thinking about it like that, does that worry you at all? No, and here's why. So, for one, do you know what uh, Patrick Peterson's 40 time was at the Combine? Yeah, what, 10 years ago? It was, what, 4-3-something. 4-3-4. DK ran a 4-3-3. So, yes, I understand that there's the technical aspect, and that's what everyone knocked DK for was he can't turn, he can't do the three-cone, yada, yada, yada. I don't care. Here's the thing. DK's not going to play Patrick Peterson every week. Patrick Peterson for the longest time, was, in my opinion, the best corner in football. He could shadow inside, outside. He could cover big guys, small guys, quick guys, slow guys, whatever. 
He could do everything. I had that's why he was, in my opinion, the best corner in football. He's not that he's not that guy anymore, but he's still extremely technically sound. He's a good athlete. DK had him beat on a route, and then Russ airmailed it. DK's day would have looked a lot better if Russ throws the ball correctly on that on his second interception, not the final one, but that second one. So I think DK's going to have better weeks. He had had over 90 yards in every game this season. I think he's. I'm not concerned about the technical lockup. I think Pat Pete's just that damn good. And Pat Pete might not be as fleet of foot, might not be as good of a jumper anymore, but I think he's still super talented. I'm not worried there. I, I'm just not. I will mention Chris Carson left this game with a foot injury. He is possible to play next week, but he's not a guarantee. If he misses, Carlos Hyde immediately slots in. As a Carlos Hyde end. is injured too, so you go pick up Travis Homer. No, do you pick up DJ Dallas? Come on. Well, okay, I was. That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say pick up DJ Dallas. Then I realized he had no carries. I don't think but he had this... two catches. He had two catches for eighteen yards on three targets. Let's see how progress, uh, the, how practices go throughout the week. I mean, Hyde is clearly yeah. the backup, but I think there's a debate to be had between Homer and Dallas, and we'll have to dive into that for our preview pod. Um, yeah. Okay, let's move on to the other side of the ball though, because Carson's gonna be out for a minute. Uh, Arizona. No, he's he's a possibility to play next week. He's not playing next week. That, okay, he's not, but he. But I don't think he's going to be out for a while. I think if he only miss, I think he only misses one game here. I think he misses two. But that's let's see here. Uh, we this because can... the report just came out in the last couple of hours was that he might not miss nearly as much time as we all expect him to miss. So that's where I was going based on that. But you're right. Let's go on to the other side of the ball. Kyler Murray, 34, 48, 360 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. He also added 14 carries for 67 yards and a touchdown of his own. He had a great day in the air, on the ground. Uh, just was an excellent play. Chase Edmonds had 5 for 58, including a big 32-yard scamper in overtime. Kenny Drake had 14 for 34, left with an injury. He's expected to miss at least next week, possibly longer. So that's unfortunate. And if he and since he's going to miss time, Chase Edmonds slots in. And I think he's, he's already an IR. Uh, Kenny Drake's already an IR, so you're looking at least oh. three weeks. I thought I read Wait, that did somewhere. That, did that get announced? Go, go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna fact check that. I it's not that I don't believe you. It's just I I didn't see okay. that report. So I well, if it if it, if, it, if he hasn't been put on IR yet, it's probably going to happen. I mean, it was a pretty serious ankle injury. You could tell. So uh, Chase Edmonds is Chase Edmonds uh, all the way here. Do you, you're excited to play him. He's probably gonna be an RB two or more. Uh, it's the Jamal Williams Aaron Jones comparison. I love Chase Edmonds. I've always liked him. I thought he was a better running back anyway in Arizona. Um, and this is going to be the opportunity for him to show it. So, I mean, the fact that they only brought in Kenyon Drake on a one-year deal, I think showed that they, would have, they, didn't, that they didn't have a ton of confidence in him this year. Uh, he has been overall disappointing uh, through seven games. So Chase Edmonds is going to get the touches, and he's going to be able to show what he can do. And he's been impressive in the limited work that he gets. Uh, so we'll see if he can continue to get the rushing work and be effective there. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is an animal. 10, uh, 10 receptions, 103 yards, 12 targets, one touchdown. And uh, Christian Kirk adds another two touchdowns to his day. Uh, but otherwise, five catches for 37 yards. Larry he had Fitzgerald, eight targets, though. He had eight targets. He did have eight so targets. It's, he got volume, and he nearly had a third touchdown in overtime. That went just off his hand and could have been pass interference if we're being realistic. Right. I just he's he's in a good stretch right now. Uh, just yes. just temper expectations moving forward because his touchdown, touchdown regression is going to hit him hard. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald eight catches, sixty two yards on eight targets. 
Still a viable option in deep PPR as a good flex option to get you a good floor. Uh, this week he had a good week. Chase Edmonds, seven receptions and eight for 87 yards on seven targets. Uh, that's about it. Andy Isabella, you should not be rostering him, uh, other than Dynasty, obviously. Uh, I think that covers everything for the Cardinals. Yeah, not a lot. Not a, not a ton here. Uh, like, Dan Arnold had two for 57 on three targets, so that's nice. It's clearly he's the tight end to own there, but you're still not going to play him unless you're in desperate, desperate, dire straits and you have no other option, but... There's not a lot. There's not a lot here. It's pretty straightforward. Who you're playing? You're playing Nuke. Uh, you're playing Larry in DPPR leagues. I'm comfortable playing Christian Kirk in all formats, uh, just because he's playing really well right now. He's getting a lot of looks, and he's he's getting a lot of red zone work, which is great. Chase Edmonds, PP as you're starting him in all formats now. It used to be PPR exclusive. Now you're playing him everywhere. I think it's time to get out of here. Tyler, where can they find you on the Twitterverse? Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler underscore Grez. That's T-Y-L-E-R underscore G-R-E-Z. Uh, be sure to check out the Game on Wisconsin stuff. There's a lot of good content being put out over there. I'm not going to go through the whole spiel this week, uh, but I'll give you the bye week in, the, in that regard. But we'll come back at it hard next week. Uh, other than that, just check the Jamal Williams show out. Uh, there's going to be a special announcement on that show. Uh, if you're listening to this Tuesday morning, it'll be Tuesday night, there'll be a special announcement on that Jamal Williams show. So go make sure you're checking that out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but... We'll we'll let you get out of here, Gage. Uh, why don't you tell the people where they can find you, and then uh, why don't you sign us out today? You can find me on Twitter, at GBridge for the NFL, as always. Uh, working on a lot of stuff for a lot of different people, wearing a lot of different hats. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, we're glad to do this for you. We'll be back on Friday morning with your preview, previewing all week eight games. It's crazy to think that we're halfway into the season. Thursday, oh, that's right, Thursday live stream for those of you that want to tune into that. And if you're unable to be at the live stream, that's okay. It'll be released in a podcast Friday morning. And then we'll be back for our live stream fantasy session on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern time, 10, 10 Central, obviously. Thanks for being here. And as always, carry the G, go Pat go. Go.